You are listening to The Lift Mindset, where we provide an update from the experts. The aim of our podcast is to inform, educate and entertain. We will be sharing our views on current trends and predictions for 2021 about the industries the Lift Financial Group cover. Today, we have Suzanne McGowan, head of Lift Workwise, talking about family finances. She will be discussing the basics of a financial plan, emergency funds, saving for children, junior ICEs and lifetime ICEs, and many other areas you should consider when creating a financial plan to suit your family's needs. Hello, I'm Suzanne McGowan and I'm head of Lift Workwise. Hello, Suzanne. Can you tell me what are the basics of a financial plan? A financial plan is different for everybody. It obviously is going to depend on your circumstances and what you want to achieve in life and use your money for. But I would always say the starting point has to be the income and the outgoings. So the same as as any accounting structure, you need to know what's coming in each month to the household and you need to know what you're absolutely committed to in terms of outgoings and then what you want to spend. What are your lifestyle choices? What do you want to spend money on after you've spent the absolute basics? You obviously need to pay your council tax, your electric, buy food, insurances, all the basics of life that everybody needs. And then on top of that, you need to think about the next layer, which is what you want to spend money on, whether that's going to the gym or things for the children, social clubs, whether you like to have a meal out twice a week or whether holidays are really important to you. Obviously, during the pandemic, you're probably not spending as much on holidays as as you would normally. But know what you need to spend and what you want to spend. That will then dictate how much you have left to save and invest and build for the future. So that's the basics of the financial plan. And obviously, there's then some room for decisions in some of the spending, probably not all of the spending, but you know, there might be some things where you're having to make compromises in terms of what's most important to you and what you're going to spend the money on. That's going to be different for everybody. The starting point then of building any financial plan is first of all to have emergency funds. Before you do anything else, before you start to save for any eventuality, you need to make sure that there is some readily available cash to cover you if something happens. And, and, you know, the obvious ones, the ones that the debt companies use in their adverts are the boiler breaking down or the car breaking down, something that you absolutely cannot live without, which needs to be fixed quickly. And if you don't have some readily available cash, then you are into debt, which is never a good situation. You know, bad debt, debt that you need just to keep the household running is never good. It just spirals and and can very quickly get out of control. So having that cash cushion, so three to six months of your net income is is a good place to start. Some people only feel comfortable if they've got considerably more. As a rule of thumb, three to six months net income as, as a cash cushion. And then you can start looking at protection and future savings and investment. In terms of a financial plan, what does protection mean? Protection is really about covering the eventualities that you'd never save enough to cover. So if you think about insurance, you know, you have house insurance because you could never afford to rebuild your house if it burnt down. Or, you know, if things are stolen, it would take a long time to replace those. And you have car insurance because it would be difficult to just 
find the cash to buy a new car. And financial protection is the same thing. So people often think about life assurance, life insurance, that if the main breadwinner or somebody who makes a significant contribution to the household was to die, then money needs to be found to replace the income that they were expecting to bring in. What people often don't think about is statistically, you are much more likely to be too ill to work than to die. If you're of working age, it's more likely that you're going to have back problems or sadly mental health problems that mean you can't work, which is exactly the same effect financially. So I would always counsel people to look at income protection where the income that somebody's bringing into the household is absolutely vital. Life assurance, maybe critical illness insurance, things that will bring money into the household if, if circumstances change or get out of control. And there is that need to protect both the people that are working and, and the dependents. When most people talk about family finances, they think about saving for children. Should this be a priority? Absolutely. If you've got children and you have goals and objectives for what their early life is going to look like, as long as you've covered the basics, that there's sufficient protection for emergencies and there's some cash funds, then yeah, if your children are what's most important to you. And for most people with children, they are absolutely what's most important. Then yeah, saving for them is absolutely going to be a priority. There are different ways to do it. The obvious one is the junior ISA. So you can put £9,000 a year into a junior ISA for each of your children. And that can be a good way to save for university funds or for a deposit for a first house. Although we'll talk about how you can do that for older children. So that's the starting point for most people. And the same with a normal ISA. That can be either a cash ISA. So it works like a bank account with an interest rate. Or it can be a stocks and shares ISA where the money's invested and it's, it's going to move up and down in line with markets in your chosen risk category, how much risk you want to take with that money. So obviously, like anything else, a higher risk stocks and shares ISA, you've got potential for significant gains, but you also risk losing some of the money. One potential pitfall with junior ISAs, and, and one thing that I think every parent should be aware of, is that on their 18th birthday, the child becomes entitled to the money in the junior ISA, absolutely. So at that point, they are legally able to take it and do as they wish with it. So you need to find your own solution to that. If I'd have got my hands on significant funds at 18, I'd have been very well dressed, but none of it would have been used for any useful purpose. So junior ice is always the best place to start. If you've got older children, if you've got children 18 plus, there is also the lifetime ISA, which is a brilliant way to save for a house deposit. So a lifetime ISA, the contribution levels are lower. So you can put up to £4,000 into a lifetime ISA, but you actually get some money back on that from the government. So with the junior ISA, it grows tax free, but you get no additional cash. With the lifetime ISA, you can put up to 4000 and however much you put in, the government will pay 25% bonus. Now that then has to be used either to buy the first home so the child if it's a child you're saving for you can obviously do lifetime ices for yourself as well but we find most of our clients are using them for their children the child has to use that for their first home 
towards the deposit. And if they don't use it for that, they need to wait until they're older than 60 and they can start to draw the funds to help with retirement. If they use the funds for any other reason, then the government will claw back 25% of the funds. So they'll take their money back plus gain that's been made on it. So it's not really worth doing for anything other than that. But they're a fantastic way to save for a house deposit. People often forget you can fund pensions for children as well. So you can put up to £2,800 a year into a pension for a child. Obviously, that's then subject to the normal pension rules and the child can't touch that until they're at least 55 currently. Very, very likely to go up to 57 in the near future. But it's something that you can tax efficiently fund. How much risk should you take with the various investments? That depends on so many factors. The first one being how long are you going to hold that money for? How long is it going to be invested? If you're going to need that money in the next 12 months, then I would say no risk at all. Because if markets take a turn for the worst and your investment goes down in value, then there is no time to allow that fund to recover and to get the growth rate that you had expected. The longer the period that you're investing for, clearly the more scope for risk there is. But it also depends on how important that money is. You're saving for a holiday that might be less important to you than the savings you've set aside for university fees for the children or for a house deposit. The more vital the thing that you are saving for, investing for is to you, then the less risk you should take. So when we look at this as financial advisors, we look at three factors. We look at how much risk the person is psychologically geared to expect. If you can afford to take a lot of risk, but you're going to lie in bed awake at night worrying that the fund has gone down or is not performing as you had expected, then high risk is unlikely to be right for you. Obviously, we look at how much risk you can afford to take. So, you know, if the investment did not perform as expected, how big a difference would that make to your life and to your goals? And then the amount of risk that you need to take. So if you need a certain sum in 10 years time, the less you've got to save now to build to that needed level, then the more risk you're going to need to take to have the opportunity to have the chance for it to build to where you need. So those three things come together in in a bit of a Venn diagram to decide how much risk you should take. And obviously that will change over time and it will change as circumstances change. You will probably end up with a completely different risk profile in your pension than you do in your children's savings. As advisors, we talk about risk a lot and risk means different things to different people. So for everyone who's thinking about making a financial plan or thinking about taking financial advice, it's about knowing what risk means to that individual. So those three factors, the risk required, the risk that you can tolerate and the risk that you can afford to take will be completely different for everybody that you ever speak to. We talked about junior ices and lifetime ices previously. What kind of products should people be considering using in their financial plan? Oh, that's a really good question. And it's the one that financial advisors don't like. People, when they think about a financial plan, when they think about any savings and investment, think immediately about products. So people think about my ISA, my pension, my investment account. And all the product is, is a tax wrapper. So the fact that it's an ISA or the fact that it's a pension just dictates the tax treatment. So it dictates how much can be paid in and how much can be taken out. 
and how that's taxed, how the money is taxed going in, how the money is taxed coming out. And obviously, some tax wrappers are more efficient than others. Everybody has certain allowances that they can use every year for the payment of their taxes. Everybody thinks, oh, the ISA, because you can put £20,000 a year into an ISA. You pay no tax when the money goes in and you pay no tax when the money comes out. And the growth is virtually tax free inside there as well. That's all the ISA is. It's a tax wrapper. Once the money is in the ISA, then it is subject to the same rules. If you're investing the money, it's going up and down in line with your investment. So you can have the same investment in an ISA, in a pension, in a general investment account, and the money is doing exactly the same. It's going up and down in exactly the same way. It's just about putting it in and taking it out. And that product that's right for you, the tax wrapper that's right for you, will depend on your general tax situation. So whether you're an income taxpayer, what level of income tax you're paying on the income that comes into the household, whether you have significant capital assets, whether you're using your capital gains allowance every year, the right product will be completely different for everybody. There are some general rules like the junior ISA, usually a good idea. The lifetime ISA, if you qualify for it, is generally a good idea. Not everybody does qualify for them. So it's a bit of a minefield and something that you should always take advice on because it's the tax bit that can trip you up. So how does retirement fit into a financial plan? Well, retirement is another goal. The vast majority of us want to stop working at some point in our lives and want to get to a point where we have enough money to be able to facilitate that. Everybody will get a state pension. That's not payable currently until 67. Again, we'll go up to 68 in the quite near future. The state pension is probably not enough to live off in isolation for most of us. So we need to get to a point where we have enough income coming in without needing to work for it. The obvious way to do that is to save into a pension. You might have property investments. You might have other investments outside of pension to support retirement. But it's another goal and it's one that seems a long way off when you're young, but catches up on you quite quickly. And the earlier you start to save for retirement, the better. Obviously, now all employers have to have a pension scheme in place that the employer has to make contributions to. Some are more generous than others. Some give you guarantees and some don't. Completely differs. But the sooner you start paying into a pension, the better because of the compound interest. The £10 that you save when you're 21 will be worth considerably more than the £50 you save when you're 55 by the time you get to 67. And just having that time to allow the money to grow is always helpful. But it has to fit into the, the bigger overall picture for your circumstances and how you want your life to go and the, the objectives that you want to achieve. But it's a universal objective. That's great. Thanks, Suze. Oh, thanks, Ellie. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have learned something new today from our experts. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website www.lift-workwise.com or search for Lift-Financial on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from the Lift Mindset.